0: All right, welcome to another week of Last Ones at the Bar. It's the show where we talk in boxing. This week's podcast, we're going to discuss um, recaps of the past week and a po- couple potential matches that's coming up. My name is Wilton Henry. My name is Daniel Lee.
1: And my name is Lavelle Jackson.
0: What up, what up, fellas? How's the week? Um, I know this week you probably had a little extra time, you know, due to – Thanksgiving? Did you do anything special for Thanksgiving um, or just relax or anything like that? What you do with your extra time?
2: Honestly, I did the same thing that I would have normally done. I just spaced it out more. You know what I mean? So I was able to, um, you know, just kind of take my time knocking out the stuff that I got to knock out, got to get a good night's sleep. Basically the last four nights in a
1: row. So that's been good.
2: Um, but yeah, I didn't do anything much different than I would have done otherwise.
1: Yeah. Uh, I pretty much did the same, uh, rested a little bit. I did, uh, I see my in-laws and celebrate with the family, uh, in a safe way, of course. Um, but yeah, got a few extra workouts in, uh, rested
0: uh, a little bit. I'm ready for, for this coming week. Yeah, that was the same thing with me. Um, that was the first time since like August that I had just an opportunity just to do me. You know what I'm saying? Like with COVID and everything, I didn't want to do any anything as far as like being around too many people. So I used my time wisely. Um, got some rest, like you said, Danny. That was the first time like I could just rest and get up when I wanted to but then I was using that time to be productive as well. So even things that I had to do for work, like I'm ahead of the game now, you know? So, um, right. yeah, I just used that time wisely. And then I finally, um, you know, I had time just to, like I say, just do me, but more importantly, as far as the podcast is concerned, I had time this week carved out to watch all of the events that took place this week. And so speaking of that, what, um, I guess the main fight that we we're gonna discuss is that Tyson versus Jones. Uh, what you guys think about that?
2: First of all, I don't know if it felt the same way for you guys, but it felt like kind of like a second job watching all those fights yesterday, man. Um, I mean, it was it was cool, but it was just like ooh, it's a lot of fighting. But um, as for the Tyson and Jones fight. Um, I had scored it. I mean, the score that I had for it is irrelevant because, A, it was pretty clear, and, B, it was scored a draw anyway. But, um, you know, Tyson came out looking ready. You know, uh, you you could tell that he wanted to do more than he did, but uh, Jones was pretty dedicated to, to clinching and to trying to be as elusive as possible. Um, but, I mean, you know, I didn't have – many expectations at all going into it and uh as as a fight as a spectacle it it was fine i wasn't i wasn't for what they were trying to promote i wasn't mad at it overall uh you know both of those guys were out of practice for a while and for it to have been for a charity and for it to have been an exhibition um you know they did what they were supposed to do
0: Yeah, I just want to say hats off to those legends, man. You know, it, it was a lot better than what I expected. You know, um, as the fight was going on, like and Roy just don't get caught with one of those blows, you know, because the event is going so well. But like I said, hats off to them. You know, they were out there throwing some punches, you know, at that age that they are. And also you had a chance to see glimpses of them when they were in their prime, you know, I thought the event overall, especially the main event that it was, it was an overall success. And, you know, it's like, sometimes when you see people, um, who who used to perform or do some type of activity and they are, were good at what they did. And now that they're older, you see them and, but they just messing around. Right. And so you'll look, you'd be like, man, he must've used to, Um, play basketball or he must used to do this because you can just tell that whatever it is that they're doing that they had to be good at it because they look the way they look at the age that they are at their advanced age and so like I said looking at them inside the ring I saw certain things that they were doing that you can just imagine them if you had never seen them in their prime how good that they would have been you know that they had to have been in, in their prime but like I said overall it was a good match you know Roy was being, trying to be as, as elusive as possible, Um say, you know, that same style that Roy's going to fight in. Like, he's going to live and die by that style. And then you saw Mike, you know, with that, you know, style that he brings, you know. So, like I said, it was an overall uh, great event to me. I, I mean, I, I appreciate what it is that I saw.
1: Yeah, I agree with you, Will. I agree with you both, actually. Um, this fight, uh, my expectations was kept to a minimum. So overall and seeing it, I, I enjoyed it. There were glimpses of their old selves there, you know. Uh even Jones with his habit of laying on the ropes, it was still there and and uh trying to use his head movement and and, and punch and punch real fast. And even Tyson with his uh defense style and head movement, uh they 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 put it out there. Um it, it was actually the best possible outcome for what could have happened. You know, we knew it wasn't gonna be any knockdowns. Uh there were rumors that the fight really wasn't gonna have an, an official scores. Uh but no one got injured, you know, no one got no one was seriously hurt uh in that fight. Uh, it was entertaining, everyone enjoyed it, the boxing fans enjoyed it, uh people who were not boxing fans enjoyed it. Um so it it, it was a success. It it got had a lot of people talking. Um I was uh, surprised about uh, Roy in particular. I thought he would have been in uh, probably a little bit better shape. Uh, I think might look more conditioned and in better shape than Roy did, which was shocking to me because Roy is like the, you know, the quintessential athlete. Um, but he, And he looked really, really you know tired. I don't know if it was nervous energy or what. But he hung in there. Uh, they did what they had to
0: do. Um, and hats off to him. You know, Val, what I was going to say in regards to that, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, man, how is Mike Tyson looking more conditioned than Roy? And then as I'm thinking about it, I think that time off that Mike had probably benefited him in terms of being able to get back in shape the way that he did because he didn't have the miles and the wear and tear on him, you know? And then the other thing is, is Mike was the one coming forward all fight. He was fighting at his natural weight. And Roy put on some pounds just to be able to try to, you know, in fight with Mike, or at least not necessarily in fight with him, but tie him up when he got close. And that's not his natural weight. And then the way Roy fights, that's not conducive to a person who's 50 something years old, all that movement that he does. So that'll wear you out really quickly. Yeah,
1: I agree. Uh, Especially with uh, Roy Jones and his style. Um, one thing, one thing that he, he he we saw probably saw a little glimpse of if you're you know, used to watching him, uh, that someone who a casual observer who hasn't watched him would not know, um, is that his it, it, of course his reflexes are slow. Uh, someone who's seen him before would see the glimpses of how he used to do that, but someone who's never seen it would never know uh, the greatness that you know Roy Jones was. But I mean, he's he stuck in there with with you know. Someone that Tyson still, even in the exhibition, Tyson could have took his head off, you know, clearly, you know, so uh, it it was, you know, a good event. Um, Now, moving along, there was another fight on this card, a fight that potentially, you know, stole the show. And it's going to be talked about for, you know, a long time. And this fight was uh, Nate Robinson uh, versus Jake Paul. Uh, What do you guys uh, thought about uh, that particular fight?
0: First, I want to shout out Snoop Snoop Dogg. He needs to do more commentating. Like Snoop, his perspective on things is is real uh, entertaining. So I, I like to see Snoop Dogg a little bit more. But as far as the fight is concerned, I just got two questions. Nate, did you warm up before the fight? <laughs> Nate, did you did you did you do any sparring before this fight? You know, those are two things that I want to know. You know. Oh my god as far as his fight is concerned. But, no, shout out to Nate, man, because at the end of the day, he got in that ring and he attempted to, you know, get in there and fight. So you got to, you know, show respect to the man for that, you know, especially at, like, 36 years old. You're a professional athlete doing something else all of those years. So I got to commend him for that. Um, but you just can tell, and it's another fight that's, that we're going to discuss. It's going to be a similar situation where you just tell that one person had more experience than the other. So Paul, to me, his experience of fighting the other fight, and it just seems like that's something that he's really taking seriously and he's concentrating on. And he's not experienced himself, but he's more experienced than Nate Robinson. Um, the biggest problem Nate had yesterday was that he kept running in with his head down. And, you know, that right hand from Paul certainly didn't help um, either. You know, those right hands, that he, those studying right hands that he was landing. But he just knew what to do in that situation. You're not, as a fighter, you're not going to be successful if you fight somebody who knows what they're doing if you're just running in with your head down because they're just going to time you. And that's what he kept doing. So, but overall, like I said, I, I got to, you know, I'm, I'm gonna show Nate the utmost respect for just entering in the ring, and, um, you know, getting there and, and and fighting. But I thought that the referee could have stopped it before, like Nate was hurt pretty bad, the the knockdown before he got knocked out cold. And so I think they didn't they didn't help him out in that regard as well. But yeah, that was that was I I was worried for him for a while, you know. For a second. You know, I wasn't really taking heed to what Snoop was saying when he said that, you know, Nate from the hood, he's straight, you know. But overall, you know, I, I think the last thing that I want to say is if you like a basketball player, you know, you in your mid thirties, don't don't take up boxing, man. Like don't don't try to, you know, do what Nate did. Stick to what it is that you are known for.
1: I, I couldn't agree more. Uh <laughs> uh this this is a lesson to to everyone that thinks that because you're a great athlete you can get in the ring and and take punches uh being a great athlete doesn't mean you can get hit upside your head and and sadly uh this was a a demonstration of that now um this 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 knockout was you know incredible i mean it gained a lot of traction people are, are talking about it and stuff like that uh so so it it put a lot of tension in boxing as far as and that's that's pretty much good but the bad is um you know nate Robinson could have you know been seriously hurt and um and you you have people making memes about it and laughing you know haha i i get it you know because some of the memes are funny i mean that's the truth but at the same time Nate Robinson is not someone who does this for a living. You know, he's a he, yes, he's a great athlete, a great basketball player, but he doesn't get in the ring for a living. This isn't uh, uh, Stavern when he was knocked out by Wilder. This isn't Pacquiao when he was knocked out by Marquez. This is someone who, who isn't trained to do this, and and he's in there with someone who is more experienced than he is. I mean, uh, let's be clear: Jake Paul is not like this. You know quintessential boxer but he, he has experience he's been in the ring on a professional level uh he's sparred plenty of times um so if people to, to make jokes and and not, not give nate Prop nate robinson uh you know his due for getting in that ring is it's, it's kind of what's wrong with, with 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 boxing in general and I, I don't even say boxing in general it just uh what's wrong with the, the public's view of boxing that anyone can just get in there and it's funny i mean boxing is a gentleman's sport this isn't you know, world star fights, you know, so, um, yeah, yeah, much respect to Nate Robinson, you know, um, and if anyone thinks I'm being a Grinch or something about it, go look up a video of Gerald McClellan and, and, and you know, go look up, a, go look up, uh, research Levander, uh, uh, Johnson, you know, those are guys who, 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 given their, their, their livelihoods and, and, and their lives, uh, for this sport. So it's not funny when someone, you know, could potentially, you know, be hurt, you know, so, um, and I think one of the saddest things about this, if, if this is getting more attention than, uh, let's say, the upcoming spot fight between Spence and Garcia, it's almost like no one's talked about that now, they're not, they wouldn't even, like, really, I understand, you know, promotions are different, but they could, you know, and look, it's a great fight coming on next week, you know, Arrow Spence versus Danny Garcia, and and. and it, they really wasn't doing it to that effect, and it's kind. Of, and that's kind of sad, you know, because we have two guys who do do this for a living, who who are, you know, top notch. They're they're, you know, top three or top five in the, the best division in boxing, you know. So that fight is going to be a barn burner. So um, that's pretty much all I have to say about that particular subject.
2: You know, it's. It's funny that you brought that up, though, because that's kind of like my fear for the sport of boxing as it pertains to the public perception. Um, You know, this car was entertaining for what it was. But, you know, for it to have been all that people were talking about leading up to it, my fear is that, you know, for those who did spend the money on a pay-per-view, that are not going to want to do that two times in a row when we have a, a very good car coming up next weekend. Uh, so I do hope that, um, you know, Spencer Garcia gets that same energy or similar energy, uh, but time will tell, I guess. But uh, as it pertains to the fight, um, your one question really stood out to me, well about did he spar? And I don't know, based on the way that he, he fought, but, you know, to back up, on paper you have a YouTuber with access to elite trainers, The ex professional athlete who has access to elite trainers and never stopped training. Um, Even when Nate was out of the league, he was uh, in the Big Three and he was training to play in the NFL. So he was still training at elite level. So, from an athletic standpoint, you would think that it would transfer more to the ring. And this kind of goes to show you that, you know, boxing is not for everybody at that level. Uh, much respect to him, like you said. I, I'm just very curious to how much he actually sparred because the way that he fought, those are kinks that you work out in sparring. So, like, if you if you fight in the hood or whatever, or if you just put on gloves and you, you, you hit a bag and then you start to spar, you're going to have, like, your natural fight instincts. But then you do enough of your shadow box, you do enough of your pad work and stuff like that, and that stuff becomes second nature when you're sparring. And so um, it, it seemed like he was kind of relying on the natural instinct that he had before training for boxing. Because it was almost like his coach was like, all right, this is what we're going to do. This guy has four or five inches taller than you. So, you, you know, but you're sharp him. So you, you're going to rush in there with your head down, and you're going to hit him. Like, on, on what planet was that going to work? It was not going to work in, like, it was like, yeah, if you leave yourself so open like that, you're you're gonna get hit, especially with somebody that takes the sport seriously. I just think that, you know, it was unfortunate that it didn't seem like he had as much time or didn't spar as much as he should have because he was just his style was just predictable.
0: I was I was going to uh, build on what you were saying as far as him preparing because he couldn't have. Prepare. I, I can't see any trainer telling you just to run in, you know, like the way he was running in. So I'm thinking that they he trained a certain way, but then once it came to those bright lights and he got in the ring, then he resorted back to what he was you know, wasn't trained to do, what he was accustomed to doing just naturally. And so I think that that probably played a big factor in it as well just based on that lack of experience. You know, sometimes you have to go through things multiple times and then it becomes second nature for you to do it. But that's just something that you have to do, you know, over and over repetitively, and I just don't think he had that opportunity. He was just thinking, he looked at Jake Paul, he saw him fight the other guy, and he was like, I can beat that dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, That's Mm -hmm. the result that we ended up with. That's exactly what happened, I feel like.
2: But, um, so on Friday night, we had Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Not to be confused with Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. By any means. Um, he got a fourth round stoppage against Jason Minda. Uh, you guys have any thoughts on that one?
1: Yeah. I Thank you for making sure that, that Junior was on that name so we can get that separation there. <laughs> because this guy, I, I don't know how he keeps getting fights. Uh, it's interesting because Jason Minda was not the original opponent. Uh, his original opponent pulled out like a couple of days before the fight. and They just found Jason Mendoza, put him in there. So the the, the result was probably always going to be the same. Chavez was probably going to walk through him, take his punches, and all that. Um, interesting that that Jason Mendez was still throwing some leather on Chavez Junior. You know, Junior still hasn't, you know, he hasn't really improved at all, if any. You know, he's just getting hit upside his head and. The interesting thing is, had Jason Menda been any much better, he probably would have beaten Chavez Junior. Junior just, you know, got off that. You know, Jason Menda isn't that uh, that good of a fighter. Um, it's it's just it, Chavez Junior is, is like someone who doesn't take the sport seriously. He, um, of course, he has the name of his father, and, and to be told he does have certain gifts. Like he has the gift of, you know, he could, he could take. He has a great chin. You know, he does have heart. But the dedication, you can tell the dedication isn't there because had he been dedicated, he'll be he'll rely on more than just taking punches and, and, and winning fights off a, of, uh you know sure size and, and that's it. But it's just this is disrespectful for the for the sport and for people who 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 come from nothing don't have what he had, the opportunities that he have, and they give their whole lives to this, you know.
0: It's kind of disrespectful. Well, as far as the fight is concerned. You know, as you say, it was a first round knockout of his opponent. And Chavez, at the height of his career, when he was most successful, his best and biggest attribute outside of being able to bring constant pressure and being a pretty good body puncher was, I think, that his size. Like he used to be able to shrink down to 160, but by the time he entered the ring, he would be near a cruiserweight. And so that was his best attribute. It's kind of like very similar to um, the Swift hurt, Jared Swift hurt, how he's so huge once he enters the ring that that's a pretty daunting task for an opponent to have to deal with this big guy that I'm facing. And that, that's what Chavez used to, you know, that, like I said, that was his best attribute. Guys that he faced who were skilled, you know, they can overcome that physicality. You know, and so once he moved up and he couldn't shrink down to 160 anymore and he was fighting guys, that wasn't a factor anymore as far as him having this um, edge over his opponent. He didn't have that anymore. And so he was he never wins any of the fights that he fights outside of the ones that he was fighting at 160. Now, what I was mostly impressed with in his fight is that his, his fan base like. The Mexican fan base, they support their guys, you know, and as you said, he has the name recognition. But it just all the stuff that he's done as far as like testing positive for drugs or just not taking things seriously. And he still has that type of fan base. I'm, I'm really I look at it even a little bit deeper. It's like, what if the American fan base supported their guys like that? you know, as opposed to figuring out a way to hate on this person or hate on that person. I don't see that with other groups, and that just reinforced that to me. We're in COVID, and if you look at that fight, see how many fans came and showed up to support um, Chavez Jr. So that's the biggest thing that I got out of it is that the Mexican fan base, they support their guys, regardless of, you know, whatever it is that they've done in the past. All right, so the next fight that we're going to recap is going to be that Joe Joyce versus triple D uh, Daniel Dubois what you guys think about that that fight
2: this was I had seen Joyce before uh Dubois not so much um I had it I had it 86 85 at the time of the stoppage uh, Joyce got the 10th round knockout and uh, he had basically closed up Dubois' eye left eye I believe and he him in a minute a good time and he kind of took the knee and that was, that was it for him. Um, I wasn't particularly wild by either of them, to be honest. Um, Dubois showed good head movement in, in certain spots. Um, he's still pretty young. And some of the commentators were saying that he may have taken that fight a little bit too early. Um, Joyce was slow, but he had decent movement. Uh, he didn't seem to put a lot behind his punches, even though, like I said, he put up enough. He, he had enough behind it to close up that eye. And, um, I, I think it was a matter of, of Joyce having really shown that he had a chin because, uh, DuBois du- du clocked him a few times. And I guess where I would imagine DuBois used to sue his opponents crumbling, Joyce still hung in there and he didn't really have a backup plan. And so, um, you know, respect to both fighters. Um, I'm, I'm not sure what DuBois peak is or either of their peaks, but, um, I imagine for for Joyce his next thing will be a step up the competition, and you know we'll see where he lands and for Dubois, it's going to be back to the drawing board for him and see how his team builds him back up and and hopefully his you know he develops more as a as a fighter uh during that time
0: yeah, I think this is another case of experience versus inexperience. Joyce is slow yeah he he's he's a slow fighter that's the first thing that caught my eye is how slow those right hands come like after the jab he'll throw a right hand or a left hook but it's just it comes so wide and it comes so slow so even going into the fight that's why I predicted Dubois to knock out Joyce but in doing so again I I, I rushed it I, I rushed to judgment because what I didn't factor in is the level of opposition that Dubois was facing. So he looks good. He's one of those guys. And I'm not going to use the term bum again. I, I even apologize for using that term so loosely in our last um podcast. But against less than stellar opposition, he looks good. You know, he can he can you know just roll through those guys. And so Dubois, like once he found somebody who He couldn't just bully and and bum rush and hit him with the right hand. And that's it. He didn't know what to do because all Joyce had to do and Joyce, what I do like about him. And I don't want to just talk bad about Joyce him being slow because he does some good things. It's just that that's going to be his problem. Somebody who's a little bit faster, somebody who um, can do more than what Joyce is able to do at this stage of his career. And I don't know, i I get to Joyce in a second as far as like, uh, not Joyce, Dubois, um, as far as where he goes from here. But, um, you know, when you think about Joyce, he's a silver medalist. So if you're a silver medalist in the Olympics, and they said that in the Olympics, he really should have won that matchup, um, that that match that he had for the gold medal. The other thing is, is that they brought him along the right way. So other fighters, you might want to look into the way he positions himself or position himself leading into this fight. So for instance, for him to go through Bermain Stavern, right? Bermain Stavern, when he fought him was the same Bermain Stavern, but he still brings something to the table that you can learn from. And so he he knocked him off. He also fought Brian Jennings. So that's another tough guy that you have to go through, even though he may not be at the same level he was when he was fighting a Klitschko. But at the same time, you're going to learn something in that matchup. So he built himself up properly to this point. And if you look at Dubois, he doesn't have anybody on his resume like that. All inexperienced guys. So once you get in, because he just looked really, I, 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 what surprised me is he couldn't do anything with Joyce's jab. Like he just kept hitting him with that jab, kept hitting him with that jab. He couldn't take that away. And so, and that's all really Joyce had to do. And then the other thing that I'm impressed with with Joyce is his calmness. Like even when he was coming into the ring, even leading up to the fight, he just always had a calm to him. And that's because of that experience that he had. Because if, like I said, if you go through the amateurs and you a silver medalist, that means you've been through, you know, different competition. And it's nothing that you're going to face that you're going to be overwhelmed by. It's not no event that's going to have you where you are going to be nervous um, going into that fight. And it was the opposite for Dubois. When I looked at Dubois, he had a lot of nervous energy. um, And that's something that's going to zap you of your energy. The last thing I'm going to say is I didn't like what I saw as far as him. He basically quit in the ninth round. And to me, that's one thing in a fighter that you can't do. So moving forward, what is he going to do as far as his skill? You know what I mean? Like he only thing he has is that right hand. And if that right hand isn't landing, and if it isn't like knocking his opponent out or hurting his opponent, he doesn't have a plan B. He doesn't, he doesn't. And then, like I said, as far as him quitting, you just something that you just can't do as a fighter. So that not only disappointed me, but I'm thinking about just in the future, because, like I say, Joyce is probably a B-level fighter, but he's. He has that calm, and he has that experience, and so he's going to and, and he has a good chin, too. That's something that I didn't mention. So I like what I saw from him, and I think that he could possibly be somebody like a Usyk. You, you, you probably he, he might be able to based on what I've seen from Usyk. But as far as Dubois is concerned, I didn't like the quitting at all.
1: Huh. Yeah, I agree with what both of you said. Um and, and this is one of the reasons why fighters they have to step up, you know. Uh and Daniel Dubois he stepped up and that, that was the result of it. We learned that uh, hopefully he learn more about himself in his loss. You know, uh, and it's one of the reasons uh why you take certain fights at certain times. You, you want a level of experience. Joyce had that level of experience. He was calm. Um, and when You're a civil medalist, uh no matter what style you fight in, it means that you do have, you know, boxing IQ. You know, uh and, and Joyce was showing that boxing IQ with the, you know, with the jab and why he was he was relying on, you know, that one punch and uh and as a puncher, sometimes you have to um, you gotta have a plan B. Uh, sooner or later, you may get come in contact with someone that don't go anywhere when you hit them. Um, we saw that with, you know, Holyfield and Tyson. You know, and, and you need a you need a Plan B, you know, to go to. Uh, so hopefully, the walk and you know, go back to the drawing board, see what you can do to to improve. Um, I did uh, th- that knee was just questionable. You know, a lot of people were saying he, he, you know, he quit now that and that's kind of what i saw but i also was hearing some reports that you know he had a broken orbital bone um so i don't know what to to to, to think about that um but from the, the, this point on it's going to show who dubois is is he going to improve or is he he's going to uh be another you know bc level fighter you know um and john joyce I mean, he's he's on up and up now, but you know, he, he as a heavyweight, he may have more years than than uh, you know we think he's about thirty five now. Um, but you know, it, it could be fights on the horizon for him. Uh, uh, I, I think Joyce is is, is a good B level fighter, but he's in a in a heavyweight division where you know those heavyweights are always looking for opponents. People love seeing heavyweight fights. Um, is he has no shortage of opponents for him, so um, he can make some money out, off of it, you know? Uh, the just needs to go back to drawing more and, and and try to improve and, and see and look at all the things he did wrong in this fight. And, um, there's another fight that went on, uh, on Friday night. Um, this fight, these guys have been going back and forth for, for a while now, and they finally got a ring to settle it and, and, and back up their talk. And I'm talking about uh, Danny Jacobs against Gabriel Rosado. Um, what are your thoughts on that?
0: As you say, um, that was a grudge match that took place. It wasn't the most exciting fight in the world, uh, but that played into Rosado's hands. Yeah. When I watched this fight, I asked myself, is it me
1: or did acting in Creed make Gabriel Rosado a better boxer? (laughs) Because this dude was uh, slipping punches, using his jab, and, you know, it was interesting. Uh, I think it, it, it confused Jacobs a little bit because Jacobs expected to be the boxer in that situation, and he expected to, you know, be the mover and all that. Uh, and it, it turns to a chess match, and you know, one where even the commentators, you know, they were, and I, I didn't really like the commentators for, the, for that fight. They were trying to make excuses for the, you know, the guy, someone is going to heat up, he's going to do this or he's going to do that. They should have just let it, you know, play out the way it would have played out, you know. Um, Danny Jacobs is, is interesting because it seems like, yeah, as you said, Will, he has to, you know, be up for a fight. He has to be motivated. Uh, it, it sounds like he fights to a level of, of, of his competition. Um, and and, and uh, it it makes people, it, it makes his chances look small against fighters that, that you know, that are, are pretty much higher than the points he's fighting. Like we saw his fights against Canelo and Triple and, and G. You know, of course, he didn't win those fights, but he was, you know, a case could be made for the triple G fight. And he was definitely in the Canelo fight, so um, we match him against, you know, guys in 168. Who knows? Because Danny, Danny is, is very talented, but I mean, he, he has a habit of not being. I don't know. I don't know if it's a, a mental thing or not, um, but it could also be age, because he is, you know, getting it up there. Um, with Danny, with Danny Jacobs, is it's, it, it's kind of hard for me to, to to see him as that because I, I remember him as the you know the prospect that got you know got caught and, and caught cancer and had to rebound, but that was so many years ago. Uh, so he's probably on the other side of his career. Um, but it was an interesting fight, you know. As a boxing fan, I was entertained. I mean, I mean, <laughs> it, it was worth watching. Um, but, but, you know, fair respect for, for both guys. I thought uh, Rosado was was pretty much done. You know, he, he showed he still got some left, and, and uh, he can still reinvent himself.
2: Kind of similar to you, Will. I had it pretty even. Like, it could have went 115, 113 either way. Um, It wasn't a super convincing win. Just a matter of, like, what the judges preferred. Um, And also, just like you said, I don't – I don't think Jacobs really respected him coming in. Like, if you listen to how he spoke of Rosado coming into it, it was very, like, dismissive. It would be easy to assume that he didn't really get up or train properly for that fight. Um, I don't have much else to say. Uh, I don't think this performance makes Jacobs any less game for those elite opponents. I, I don't like him for the elite super middle weights, but you know, he could make some good matchups for them. I would still love to see him against Charlo, to be honest. Um at 160 if he can make that, but I doubt he can make that and I doubt Charlo goes up to 168 to fight him where he can still get a Canelo fight potentially. Um the copy box numbers were interesting because their their total punches were literally even 156, 156 in terms of punches landed. Except for Jacobs through six hundred seventy eight Punches total, and Rosado threw almost 1100 punches total. And I remember at one point, kind of in the middle rounds, probably around seven to eight. Up to that point, neither opponent had landed more than six punches around. So I was like, "Man, this is like this is like some of my sparring matches right here." Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, respect to both fighters. Respect to Rosado. Uh, you know, he's still a live dog and. Um, you know, it just wasn't that entertaining of a match, and like you said, well, before in a previous episode, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Uh, you know, continuing to have these matchups as as main events.
0: No, the only thing I, I would say is, that, is that Jacobs better not go back to 160. Better not do that because I was listening to someone who said that he went into his not locker room, but it was before the weigh-in and they were saying that Jacobs, like, he he could barely make 160 against Canelo. They say he, it was so bad that he was just sitting there shaking. You know what I mean? So that had to be his last fight at 160. So I hope he don't attempt to do that. Especially not trying to fight one of those Charlos. Yeah. I remember when they said that, and
2: he's not getting any younger either. He's my age, I believe. Uh, so, moving on, uh, after we recorded last week, uh, Javier Fortuna took on Antonio Lozada, and he knocked the out in six rounds. Uh, we had predicted this fight before. Um, now that we've seen it, uh, did you guys have any thoughts or did it live up to what you with As it far be? as
1: action, uh, it, it, it did. I I, I expected it to be as one-sided, but um, it kind of showed uh, – what I knew about Lazada already that he didn't have, uh, uh, he had his. He's like a six-foot lightweight who doesn't jab, and it's like he doesn't, he doesn't use his jab. He doesn't use his length. He fights hunched over, and he's just open for you know, a guy like uh, Fortuna who's jumpy. You know, he can get in and get out, um, to just you know, take him out. And, and Fortuna is almost like he wasn't even showing respect. He I mean, just you know, pretty much just beat him up. Um, so I thought the fight would be closer. It made Fortuna look good, which is, which is a good thing. You know, I think Fortuna is a, uh, he's in a stacked division and I think it makes him a good, uh, opponent. Uh, he's definitely a a good comeback opponent for, you know, Lomachenko, uh, possible, you know, step up for, uh, a David Haney or next opponent for Tank or Garcia, uh, if Garcia wins, of course, uh, Ryan Garcia, um, or even Teofimo Lopez. So he, he, he's a good opponent. Uh, he, he can be dangerous. Uh, he does have power. He has speed. But we know he can, he can be hurt and he can be vulnerable. Um, and he's a good name. Um, so where he goes from here, you know, is he, he can get pretty much, you know, a couple good fights out of this. Uh, Lozado, I think he just needs to go back, I, I, learn how to, you know, jab, use that jab, use his length. It's hard to say because he doesn't even fight like uh... – oh, man, I forgot his name. Uh, he doesn't even fight like, you know, Easter. Robert Easter. You know, Robert Easter, uh, you know, can do a lot of things. He can brawl. He's tough. He has a chin. You know, uh, a lot not seem to have that. Um, so uh, props on Fortuna. He, he went in there and did what he had to do. It's funny that you
2: brought up Easter because um, in a previous episode – I said when we did the predictions, I said the height might be an issue, like the height difference might be an issue for Fortuna. Man, was it not? Um, despite there being, he had what a seven inch height disadvantage, a five and a half inch reach disadvantage, he'd have any problem getting in there. He got the first round knockdown. Um, and yeah, I mean, he did what he had to do. And, uh, and, I don't blame him honestly because he was supposed to have a title fight, and and they just they just didn't work out because of COVID, and so um, I'm hoping that it does lead to a title shot for for Fortuna as this is his third win in a row, um, and in terms of title shots at that division, I won't be mad at him fighting Haney. I think it'd be good for both because it'll be Haney step up a competition, and if you're talking title shots, it's really either him or or, or Fimo. But obviously, Lopez is not going to go for Fortuna. So that's the matchup I prefer to see.
0: Yeah, as far as the Fortuna versus Lozado fight, I'm going to take – give me a second to go ahead and pat myself on the back for this one. <laughs> <laughs> because, I, I mean, I just thought, you know, as far <laughs> as what Lozado brought to the table, the fact that he doesn't use his height, the fact that he hadn't fought any significant opponent, and some of the fights that I was seeing him in mean, against the level of opposition that he was fighting, he was getting hit way too much against that type of opponent. And like I said, for Tuna, I know that he can he he has the ability to be successful against much taller opponents. And that I think that's why they put him in that matchup that I've mentioned in the previous episode when he was fighting two weight classes ahead. Because but he just if he's fighting somebody his size, he's he's more than capable of doing that. Um, But I think that for him, he's going to have trouble getting the matchups that he's looking for. Now he should get those matchups. It's like what I'm saying with Dubois and Joyce. Joyce is fighting guys that's helping him maximize the skills that he has. He's, He's taking on stiffer opposition at the right time. If I'm one of those young guys at 135, I would take on the challenge of Fortuna. It's going to be a tough task. You may not look well because he has some gifts. He has some things that he's going to bring to the table. But again, if you make it out of that match, you are going to be much better and much more seasoned if you take on that task and really win or lose. But see, we now in an age where it's like, if I lose, then everybody's going to, you know, I got that, my O is gone and all of that type of stuff. But you really should be taking on those type of opponents. So once you do get your belt, then you are more than qualified to have the belt and you are prepared to take on stiff opposition. But it's just, it, unfortunately, just doesn't work like that anymore. But Fortuna right now, the way the game is right now, Fortuna's in that, Murky area where their his risk outweighs the reward for a lot of those guys, so he's going to end up probably being your Eudanus Ugas, unfortunately. Where guys just don't, unless they're forced to fight him, I don't think that they they will. Moving right along,
1: um, we have a uh, you know along with this, you know the Mike Tyson versus uh, Roy Jones things, we have a, another fighter that's that's. You know on the combat trail he's coming out um he's he's uh been he's been in some tough fights he had a, a a pretty you know decent career based off what he had you know the gifts that he had um but more and more it's, it's a lot of talk about uh sergio martinez you know coming back into the to the fold um what are you guys' thoughts on, on him coming back into the game
0: sergio <laughs> I mean, I think he's 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 past his prime, obviously, and I really don't like it, you know, because the last time we saw Sergio, I remember, he was like his his he had bad knees or whatever, he was coming off some surgeries, and he just didn't look right. And also with Sergio, he relied on certain gifts that he had, and it wasn't necessarily technique. You know, so how is he going to be able to come back at his advanced age and be able to still have those gifts when he didn't have them? You know, in his last fight that he fought, or last time I saw him fight was against Kodo, and Kodo was just letting him have it. So, with the opponent that he's facing, you know, I don't, his guy's name is is Jesse, um, Quevula and you know, he's 24 with nine knockouts and seven losses, and seven of those losses are by KO. He hasn't beaten anybody of note. Um, All of the step-up fights that he's, he's had, he's been knocked out in those fights. So I'm sure that Sergio should be able to handle him, you know, using his, you know, just savvy, you know, if you will. I think that he'll be able to defeat this opponent, but I don't know how, much that's going to tell you about Sergio if he's planning on facing some of those elite-level fighters. Um, one question I have for you guys. Does anybody know what weight class this fight is going to take place in? Uh, I believe that will be um, at middleweight. Around middleweight, between middleweight and super middleweight. Okay, so he, he's going to um, get back down to that weight that he was fighting at last. So, so saying that to say that his opponent typically fights at welterweight, so that should be another advantage for Sergio. Like I said, I would assume that he's going to be able to defeat this opponent, but I don't know how much that's going to tell us about Sergio. And then also, if he fight the wrong guy, Sergio might end up getting hurt. So I hope that's not the case uh, for Elmar Vila. Yeah, Sergio
1: Martinez, he doesn't have a style that ages uh, very well. Um, And, of course, he has bad knees, so that that definitely impacts how he can oppose that style. Um, He did have a fight uh, earlier this year. Um, He won a fight by knockout, but he didn't look – I mean, of course, against an opponent that he had, he might look decent, but he didn't look like Sergio Martinez. He couldn't. I mean, he can't move with his arms down like he used to. So I'd be concerned about him taking on uh, certain opponents. Um now I can't tell, you know, fighters how to live their life and you know what to do. But if I was him, I would stay away from you know any top opponents. I mean, he's at a point now where um really to be honest, Sergio Martinez is the type of fighter that should be fighting exhibitions. You know, he's forty five years old. Uh, I mean and he and he's not a fighter that's known for his defense. He's not like uh, a Bernard Hawkins or or a Floyd Mayweather who relies on defense and hasn't taken punishment. You know, he fights with his you know his hands down. He's taking some punishment. He has bad, you know, knees. Um, um I I don't know as reasons for coming back into the game, but if I were him, I would be very very careful.
2: I'm gonna attempt to play devil's advocate
1: here. Um. Reason being,
2: when he came back to fight in August, I don't know if that was a card that he promoted because he is a promoter. I'm going to assume that it is because this card is promoted by him, and so he's a promoter and a headliner. Um, so I would like to think that he's a boxer that is self-aware and is aware of his limitations at this point given his knee injury. And it's just kind of trying to put on for his car and build up his, his platform that way and continues to do these kind of matchups. And And this match is really up to his how well his knee responds. But, yeah, like you guys said, I hope this isn't indicative of some kind of attempt to step up a competition after this, because at 45, your knees don't get any better at that age. And... You know, what I mean, he has a long life ahead of him. He has a he, he has a good career, and I hope he just kind of keeps it that way. So, um, Teofimo Lopez is uh, still in the news after his win against Lomachenko. Uh, this time, he's responding to a Mayweather comment about who should be the A side if if he or Tank if he and Tank were to or to fight anytime soon, um, and so he was on a on a on a morning show, and more or less said, uh, everybody needs to stop thinking about the business aspects, um, and for right now, and that Tank is not Money Mayweather, and he'll never be Money Mayweather unless he fights oppositions and lets his ego go. He said that Tank has to be Pretty Boy first, and his reference there is that uh, Mayweather built himself up and lower weight classes under the, the Pretty Boy nickname and took on all comers to gain respect. And then once he was established, he moved up the welterweight and called his own shots as Money Mayweather. And he's saying Tank isn't Pretty Boy yet, so how is Tank going to be Money? Do you guys have any thoughts on this? Uh, well,
1: for Lopez comments, uh, I kind of agree with him, you know, to an extent. I think, as far as marketability, uh, Tank and Lopez, they're kind of you know it's hard to compare them because one's on pay per view and one's not. They're neck and neck, but when they're neck and neck like that, I look at who has that that the, the, that opposition, and you know, Lopez, he, he's beating the man pretty much the man at one thirty five. He's beating Lomachenko, so he has you know the gold pretty much. Um, when you, when you look at it, that fight, you know, it had 2.8 million, you know, viewers, which, you know, it's pretty sizable for someone who has like their first, you know, title shot like that. Um, when you look at, when you compare it to, uh, of course, Tang was on pay per view, it, it sold about 200 to 300, you know, K, which for a fighter fifth stature is not, even when you say it's that bad, it's not money. May numbers, but, I mean, a lot of guys wish they could sell that. Uh, but one thing I do look at is the fight before that with Gamboa on Showtime where it only got like about 600K, 600, uh, 600,000 viewers uh, against Gamboa. So Lopez does have a point. He, he did take that risk against Lomachenko. It paid off, you know. And the reason why I I'll have to take Lopez's uh, side is because that was a risk that Tank was uh, that that they were keeping Tank from uh, getting. Uh, I I don't believe that Tank never wanted a Lomachenko fight, but I don't think his people wanted to put him in there with Lomachenko, and and because of that, I think um it it left the way open for somebody else to go in there. You know we know you know Devin Haney wanted that opportunity too. If he would have got the opportunity, he would have won. It wouldn't have been. It still wouldn't have been Tank. So. Lopez went and take that, took that risk and paid off. So he deserves to be, you know, the A-side in that situation. Agreed all around, Bill. Um, like you said, it's hard to compare because one's on pay-per-view,
2: one's not. But uh, Lomachenko-Lopez was the most watched boxing event across all networks since 2019. It had peaked uh, at 2.89 million viewers. And one of the things that stood out to me, and they kind of show me the direction that I think this is gonna go is that Lopez wasn't responding to Davis saying this, Lopez responded to Mayweather saying this as a promoter. So Mayweather's saying my guy has to be the A side, basically, if we were to fight. So he's Mayweather in this matchup, which is hypothetical at this point. Mayweather is already making demands. And to me, it seems like it's a thing where he's creating Something where he's going to price Davis out intentionally, whether it be the, the A side versus B side thing, or whether it be for the money that he's asking for, um, which he could easily do. Unfortunately, right now because because COVID makes the money harder for boxers, um, but I don't think Mayweather has any real intention of of Davis fighting Lopez anytime before Lopez moves up to 140. I just don't see it happening. I I just see a bunch of excuses happening for that. And, and you know, if you have both fighters on numbers on their respective platforms, whether it be pay-per-view, or whether it be regular cable, if that side is kind of negligible, you kind of have to let the guy with, I don't know, three belts in the division be the A side, maybe? Like, they kind of only make sense to my head. I don't... I'm not a promoter, but... The number, that's just where the numbers point to, in my opinion. So,
0: that's all I got on that. the thing that, it's one of the things I I really, like, hate about boxing. I hate, and I don't even like using the word hate, but I really don't like this type of topic at all. And I'm going to tell you why. One, I don't want to hear a boxer talking about, I'm the A-side, I'm the 60, I need 60. I don't want to hear you talking about that, bro. Like, really, I don't. All I want to hear out of your mouth is who you want to fight. If somebody asks you about somebody and you say, Well, let's go ahead and 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 um get the paperwork done. But as far as what you want and you're not gonna fight this person because they gotta be 60, 40, and all that type of stuff, to me that is a duck. Because you're putting that business out there so it could you can avoid that particular person. I don't care who it is i'm just saying that for me as a rule of thumb i don't like hearing when spence say stuff like that i don't hear i don't like crawford saying stuff like that i want to hear a fighter say can't can't nobody beat me that's it so if they want to you know get with my promoter if you have a promoter if you have an advisor give my advisor let's work things out but let's let's get it on because that person cannot beat me that's all i want to hear you say and i don't understand why promoters don't or somebody in that promotion company doesn't work with their fighters like that. I didn't hear Roy Jones and Mike Tyson say, well, no, we're not going to fight because it's not 60, 40. No, they're going to work that stuff out behind the scene, but you're going to hear them promoting what it is that they're about to do. I don't want to hear that from anybody, man. Like that's disappointing. That's disheartening. I don't want to hear LeBron James telling me, well, you know, that my contract is this and that. No, I want to see, can you hoop LeBron? Can you beat this team? You know what I mean? Like that's all I want to see as far as the athlete is concerned. You know, you can talk about other stuff, but as far as you not being able to do something because the numbers have to look like this, I don't want to hear that coming out of your mouth. I really don't. Like, in this, you know, the other thing that I don't like to hear, I don't like to hear fans talk about it. Oh, yeah, he is the A side. Man, we want to see fighting, we want to see boxing. And that's the reason why you got these old dudes coming back because they're trying to show you really how this is supposed to be done. You don't talk like that. Mayweather never talked like that. Listen to his interviews with Brian Kenny. He's talking mad crazy. And he's saying that, line up. I, I whip him up. I'll whoop him. I'll whoop that person. And so he never talks about any of that other stuff when he was, you know, going at people like that, when they talk about the money man. makes. So to a certain degree, I understand where Teofimo Lopez is, co- is coming from. But cut cut, cut the uh, malarkey, bro. Like, I don't want to hear all that 60-40 type stuff. Not me. I, like I say, and that's the reason why you are turning people off that really, truly are boxing fans. Like, okay, let me see Mike Tyson. Them dudes at 50 some years old was getting it on for somebody 50, 60 years old. And I'm watching a fight a little earlier, Joe Joyce, they barely want to touch each other outside of jabs and things like that. It's disheartening. Like, come on, man. Like, just go ahead, man up, say who it is that you want to fight, and then let your promoters or whomever allow them to work out the particulars. The oh, next cool. topic or the last topic that we're gonna discuss, my man, man, the, the Golden Boy Oscar De La Hoya, you know, he, on his radar, he has Triple G. You know, that's a person that he wants to potentially or eventually face in his comeback. What you guys think about Oscar's uh, request?
1: Man, he need to stay retired. Yeah, if he, if that's his goal, uh, <laughs> you know what, De La Hoya. And i want and I hope Godho is listening to this. it's a long shot, but I hope he is you know there's a there's a nice opponent out there that probably get you a lot of viewers you know and you know he's been out of the ring probably the same amount of time you have and i know this this fighter been tugging on your your tails for for so many for years, if not a little bit over a decade and that fighter is uh um tito Felix Trinidad. Why don't you ask him to come out of retirement and you know they all do an exhibition or something? That that should be your lane, or your lane should be you know try to get an expedition going with with, with uh, you know Floyd Mayweather or something. Someone who has been out of ring a couple years and, and and may not you know have the, the 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 uh power to to put you in a coma. You know? <laughs> um, I mean at his best. I would favor De La Hoya over Triple G, of course, because De La Hoya is an all-time great. Let's just, you know, that's any, any, you know, he can, you know, fight bigger guys. But this version of De La Hoya has been doing, you know, you know, had problems with with drugs and all that, and drinking and, and all that. Uh, I, I will have to see more. I I don't, I don't want to put him in there with with someone like Triple G. I'd rather put him in there with Sergio Martinez. You know that would even be more sensible. You know, fight than him against uh, Golovkin. Uh, but, but you know what? Props to him. But but because we never questioned De La Hoya's heart. He's always had heart. He's always taken fights that, you know, that even in his career at the highest popularity, he took fights that no person would take. You know, um, he took he took the fight against Carte, which easily could have ducked that guy. You know. Whitaker, you know, all time great. He could have ducked Whitaker and said, "Well, we could have waited Whitaker out till he was older." Uh, even the fights with, you know, Shane Mosley, you know, he like he could have said, who's Shane Mosley? Uh, uh, Who? He could have said, well, "Floyd Mayweather, I don't want to fight him." You know, Manny Pacquiao, I'm not gonna fight that guy. He took and he took fights against guys he didn't have to take at the time. So he shouldn't have taken them. So. Props to the other Hoya, but this is just a mistake, and I don't want to, This is time for someone to save him from himself.
0: That's what I love about him, is the fact that this is something that he is in his heart to do. Again, what you're saying, I, I agree. It would will, it will be easy for Oscar to say, you know what, Tito, let's go ahead and run him back. You know, we're around the same age, or he can call us a lesser opponent, or somebody that would you know, presumably be easier. But no, it's in his heart to want to come back and take on challenges. And that's what I'm saying as far as anything. And I think that's that's what he's looking at. It's like, man, you know, Canelo, you're supposed to be the pound for pound guy. You know what I mean? Why are you not taking on um, Charlo? Why are you not taking on some of those guys that's that were in your division? Why why you, you know, you picking and choosing these guys? And so when he's coming back, he's thinking about, it from that perspective like dudes are picking and choosing who it is that they are attempting to face and they're supposed to be like these cash cow or um you know top pound for pound fighters but they picking and choosing no this is how you're supposed to do it and this is what it's in my heart to do because i'm a fighter so i want that challenge hopefully you know no commission will sanction the fight You know what I mean? Because I don't think that that would end well for Oscar, not at at his advanced age. But at the same time, I love the fact that that's something that he wants to do um, because he's a fighter. You know what? To your point,
2: I will say that I love that about him, too. Um, And, you know, it's funny that, that even we're talking about the idea of him fighting an easy fighter because and I guess it speaks for better or worse, it speaks to his heart. Triple G is the easy fighter for him. Like I, when I read the article, um, I, I have it open now. He says, "You know how easy Triple G would be for me. I always took a good shot, and I took apart fighters like them." And so, like in, in his mind, th- this is the easy comeback fight for him. Um, that said, there's a reason why when older fighters come back after long layoff, they do exhibitions and they fight lesser opponents first. Because if they're trying to get back to some kind of elite level, there's levels to it. And you can't just go back in there after, in his case, a 12-year layoff at 47 years old. Triple G, although he hasn't fought in over a year at this point, if I'm not mistaken, um, he is 38 years old, which so he's nine years younger, and he's still an active fighter. And he still got that knockout power, so yeah, you might have been to take a shot. And, and mind you, most of his shots were not at middleweight, if I recall correctly. Um, so I don't think it's a good idea for him. But just what he want to do, and if somebody was sanction it, somebody will probably watch it. So.
0: so anything else, fellas you want to you want to address before we wrap things up? No, I think we covered a, a lot today. Um, Nothing
2: on the boxing front, but I just want to say to everybody listening, you know, I hope everyone had a happy Thanksgiving. Um, This was a weird Thanksgiving because a lot of people, I know I didn't get to spend it with extended family. I just kind of spent it with the family that I was already around during this time. But, you know, I hope everybody being safe and and thanks for rocking with us.
0: And, And we should end on that note, but I just got one last thing to ask you as far as boxing is concerned. Anything that you guys or do you guys want to keep your prediction as far as the Spence Garcia fight or do you want to change it? Um, going into next week, big fight car. I still see it as 50 50. I'm gonna still rock with Spence. I'm, a, I'm, a uh,
1: I'm leaning towards Garcia slightly. Um, but a lot is gonna be based off of uh, you know, what Spence looks like after the accident. If Spence is in top form, we should win. but for some reason i think there there, there's something there and and that's where i have to pick danny garcia
0: slightly yeah now i rock with spence don't get me wrong and i'm hoping i'm hoping spence wins not only because i just like spence you know what i mean like he's a a really good fighter he's really talented and i just like him you know what i mean because he seems like a really humble guy Mm -hmm. and most importantly as far as boxing is concerned i like his mentality, because I know that he's going to do the right things in terms of that welterweight weight division. I know he's going to look for Pacquiao next, and then if he can't get Pacquiao, I would think that he would aggressively seek out that Crawford fight, and that's the reason why I definitely want to see him win. As far as the prediction is concerned, I'm going to lean towards Garcia just based on the fact that of the accident. And... He hasn't had fight before, before that, and so that I don't, I can't predict him to beat somebody of the caliber of Danny Garcia based on what I saw as far as the cards of the night. He looks great, as far as is uh, physically, he looks he looks awesome. You know, and he even might even slightly look better than what I've seen him look in the past, as far as like hitting the bag and all of that type of stuff. Um, so he, he's really going to be focused. I just hope that once Garcia, some of those shots that, you know, what happened on that August night or October night um, doesn't kick in. So, But we'll see. But on that note, we're going to wrap things up. Join us next week because we're going to do our recaps of that fight. Also, the Yardy versus uh, Lyndon Arthur. And so, again, have a great day.